Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is Echo reporter Neil Jones. Hello. Echo reporter Christian Walsh. Hello Ian. And as you could probably hear in the background, we've got him on the line once again. It's our full-time Liverpool reporter, very much home and not away, James Pearce. Hi Jay. Hello Ian. Hello there. Uh, we'll start with you Jay. Uh, the big news today, certainly for Liverpool fans, is the latest rumours surrounding Felipe Coutinho. What can you tell us? <laughs> well, it's just more of the same, really, isn't it? I think the uh, what was it, the, the summer-long saga from from 2017 has has quickly been reignited in 2018, and I, I think I think most people would have been expecting it. Really, um, we I think deep down everyone knew that despite how well Coutinho had performed in the First half of the season, I don't think anything was going to change his mind that about his heart being set on uh, on moving to Catalonia. Um, uh, but you know, there's been fresh reports today in in Spain about you know a deal being very close and how Coutinho has concluded he won't ever wear the number ten Liverpool shirt again and all this. Now, what we do know is that as it stands at the moment, that is certainly very premature because. You know that there are no negotiations at the moment. There is no fresh bid uh, from Barcelona, um, but it, it's just going to be intriguing to see how things do develop because it's not it's not going to go away uh, during this transfer window. I think you know everyone would have picked up on the fact that Liverpool's rhetoric has changed uh, compared to last summer when you know the owners went on the record so definitively to say be going nowhere. Klopp said he didn't have a price. You know, this time around, it is different. Um, you know, I think I think Liverpool are more open to the idea. I think they know deep down that they'll they'll lose Coutinho probably in the summer, um, and it's just a case of you know whether whether they can hold on to him to the end of the season. I, I still think that's still the most likely scenario. You just wonder whether a, a deal might be done this month that suits all parties, whereby. You know, uh, it, it, they can lift that uncertainty so that Coutinho knows that he's going to get his dream move in the summer and Liverpool are able to get the best out of him for the next uh, three or four months. I mean, what's the feeling around Liverpool, the club itself? Because obviously there were these stories over the weekend about, I think it was on the Nike website, they were suggesting that Coutinho was already going to be unveiled as a player. I know Jurgen Klopp gave that particularly short shrift. I mean, what what's the feeling around the club? It's interesting, actually, because I think there is a big difference compared between, say, the, the mood amongst the fans and the way that the club and Klopp himself have responded to these things. So I've seen it, you know, there's a lot of anger, um, you know, quite rightly so, at, you know, the, at the Nike thing because, you know, massively disrespectful to be to be offering shirts, with Coutinho, Barcelona shirts with Coutinho on the back when he's, uh, he's, he's very much a Liverpool, a Liverpool player. Um, just uh, interesting the fact that Liverpool haven't, you know, they haven't been overly critical, have they, publicly? You know, I think I, I, I get the, imp- the impression that part of that is not wanting to inflame the situation. Um, you know, there's been there's been plenty that Liverpool could have been angry with in the last weeks and months. You know, when you, when you think of the array of Barcelona stars, past and present, who have been doing their best to tap Coutinho up with with their comments, and then with, with the Nike thing on top of that, but. You know, Liverpool haven't. You know, they haven't put in any you know official complaints or or publicly stated their you know anger or unhappiness with that. And I think part of that is not wanting to rock the boat because Coutinho has been performing so well. Um, and, and I just wonder where a little bit of that is also linked to, you know, this the, the fact that well, you know, it, at the moment there is no offer on the table from Barcelona. So why 
they probably think, well, why come out strongly and say he's going nowhere? Because then they look like the bad guys to Coutinho when, you know, I think that there's, I mean, there is, I think, the degree of doubt whether Barcelona could actually afford to buy Coutinho at the moment, you know, with, with their financial situation. So I think, I think part of, part of Liverpool's kind of uh, stance on this is probably linked to that as well, that, you know, they, at the moment, there's no need for them to probably to come out strongly and, and say to Coutinho, you are going nowhere. Because, you know, in, until Barcelona actually, you know, do away with all the bluster and actually put, show the colour of their money, it's, Liverpool don't have a decision to make. Yeah, surely, James, as well, one of the, one of the things that has made it a bit easier for Liverpool, I suppose, is the fact that Coutinho, even though he had his, his tantrum in the summer and his... His transfer request, and there was these stories, similar stories to the one we've seen today, where he was saying he, he was told Liverpool he'd never play for the club again. Well, it was proven that he would, and it was proven that he would still try and still perform as well. Yeah, and I think that, you know there was an awful lot of rubbish, wasn't there, spoken and, and written last summer. Um, you know, and you think back to when when his entourage were, were desperately trying to get him away from the club, and there was all that business about his relationship with Klopp breaking down and and how he was upset because he'd been substituted more often than, than other players and just all of it. And then obviously once, once the window shut and that back injury miraculously cleared up, um, you know, we, we saw the best of Coutinho again. So I think, I think it's just a really tricky period for, uh, for Liverpool this with the window being open again. Um, you know, I'm sure the fear is that this, this side problem that Coutinho's you know, is it is it going to be like the summer revisited? Is it going to be you know that a thing that that that, he, that keeps him out while the window is still open? Because you know Liverpool desperately do need him back. You know, there's a you know, big Premier League game with Manchester City not a million miles away. Uh, even if you know, Klopp said yesterday, didn't he, that he thought Coutinho would be a doubt for the uh, the FA Cup tie against Everton. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's it's not ideal because you know obviously it you know, comes at a time where on the field, things have been going so well for Liverpool and for Coutinho himself, but it, it's not a big surprise, to be honest. I think I think most Liverpool fans knew that once the window opened again, we, we were going to be uh, faced with, uh, with this with this saga again. It's hard to see what party benefits from this. Obviously, Barcelona will get a player for six months and integrate him into the squad and get him used to the, to the way and the culture of Barcelona, but... Let's face it, Barcelona are going to win the La Liga. Uh, that, there's little no little doubt about that. He can't play in the Champions League for them. So if they're dropping, let's say, £130 million or, or whatever on, on Coutinho there, well, they're only getting half, half for, for half a season in terms of the competitions he can play. From a Liverpool perspective, he is eligible for the, for the Champions League. They've got a very winnable tie against Porto in the last 16. They, you know... They've got they are favourites for that heavy favourites if you look at the bookmakers yeah and you're into the Champions League quarterfinals and anything can happen so I, I don't see what scenario where it suits either of either Barcelona to suspend big and Liverpool to accept it the one for Barcelona would be was Coutinho, if Coutinho was to go to the World Cup with this unresolved and become the star of the World Cup which he can do yeah which he could easily do and and you know. Liverpool can justifiably then say, "Well, hang on, we've got—he's the best player in the world, or he's, he's in that bracket." Which you know, you might say it's unlikely, but it could happen. I suppose that would be the one. But then you would also think that there's been enough due diligence done by all the parties involved that they maybe would would have come to some sort of agreement before then. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because I, I think from Liverpool's perspective, that's why uh, that's, that's why I'd, I'd, I'd find it a bit strange if they were willing to to agree a deal now. Yeah, I can un- I understand where you know agreeing a deal now would pro- would obviously keep Coutinho happy and probably ensure you get the absolute maximum from him between now and May. But you know, the, the very big danger is, as as you said, then if Coutinho goes and goes and lights up the World Cup, what? What looks like a, an excellent deal for Liverpool now could look like they've massively shortchanged themselves come July. Um, so it is, it is, it is going to be intriguing how how this one pans out over the over the course of the month. Because you're right, you know, they, effectively Barcelona don't really need Coutinho between now and May. I think you know, to, to get him now would essentially just you know be to bed him in almost for next season and to ensure he's a Barcelona player before he, you know, likely goes and lights up the World Cup in, in Russia. But, you know, he's, he's actually a lot more important to Liverpool between now and May than he would be to uh, to Barcelona. Is there a possibility, do we think, of, of Barcelona and Liverpool coming to a bit of a Liverpool-Leipzig agreement here? And, and basically there's an announcement in January which says, come July 1st, Philip Coutinho will be a Barcelona player. I mean, I don't know if that would be a good thing for Liverpool, having a player in the team who they know is, is on his way out, but at the same time, it might just give that stability if the player knows what's happening, the fans know what's happening, and everyone can just sort of adjust to it and have time to, to prepare to get Coutinho's uh, replacement in. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's something that... I think Liverpool would be open to that if... But then, but then I think then it just comes back to the what is a good deal for Liverpool and how, how being able to judge what's a good deal for Liverpool now compared to what could be a good deal come... Come the summer, but yeah, I think that, I think that definitely is a realistic possibility because I, I just think then that that almost you know you you you're guaranteed that you you've got Coutinho at his at his best for the rest of the season before you know he's he's got his dream move. Also, it, you know it gives Klopp that time to prepare for, for the future without him. Because I think I think the big you know people will talk about you know. What, because because he's under contract till 2022, I've you know I've seen a lot of comments on social media, people saying you know, you know typical FSG, why are you even thinking about selling you know one of our best players? You know, he's under contract for so long, just keep him. Well, you, you you can't go on keeping an unhappy player. You know I think you can do it for one window. You know, we saw that with with Van Dijk and Southampton. You can't. It just doesn't make financial sense to keep on keep on doing it you know, it, you know the best you can do is, is is buy yourself time to prepare for the eventuality and and I think you know what even with Klopp's comments last summer he made that pretty clear that you know it, what he never said that you know Philip Coutinho is irreplaceable he actually said it's all about timing and you know we haven't got time at the moment to to, to replace him effectively before the window shuts and that's why you can't put a price on Coutinho now you know I, I don't think Klopp's the kind of manager who's going to make a habit out of keeping players who, who don't want to be there. And you know, it's the, the fact that Coutinho still wants to move on. I think I think it's just a case of preparing for that eventuality and and ensuring that you know you get the absolute best possible price for him and you have a, a suitable replacement lined up. James, every transfer is obviously different, but just playing devil devil's advocate for a second, you look at Liverpool. Possibly selling uh, Coutinho to Barcelona. Emre Chan at the moment, he's not, not agreed a new deal with Liverpool, could be going to Juventus. These are two players who will be joining teams who Liverpool would see as their rivals in the Champions League, and if not next year, then the, the, the coming years. I mean, does that send out a negative message, or is that just the way that the transfer market works these days? No, I think it's, 
I think it's, yeah, it's just, just. I don't think it's particularly negative. I think it would be more worried if Liverpool were struggling to attract decent quality in their place. And I think, you know, yes, I think losing Emre Chan, as it looks like Liverpool will, be a, a setback. But I think it's more of a setback in terms of a, a symbolic thing than anything else. In terms of, you know, having spent what will it be four years developing a player and it's still a relatively young player who's played what 200 games for the club and then he moves on for nothing is it isn't isn't very clever business but you know Liverpool have got Naby Keita coming in and I think you know anyone can see that I think Liverpool midfield without Cham but with Keita is going to be a better midfield um, and, and similarly you know Coutinho I think I think even last summer the thought of losing Coutinho probably probably struck fear into a lot of fans because he was so important to the team but I think you look at the way things have evolved under Klopp and of course Coutinho is an absolute you know class act and the, you know his form especially in December was was unbelievable but you know I, you, you, I don't get the feeling that you lose Coutinho and this Liverpool team fall to pieces I just you know, it's, they've, you know the, the way that they've evolved especially as an attacking force with the you know the arrival of, of Salah and Obviously, we're still yet to see the best of Mane this season, but Firmino's absolutely gone to the next level. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't see it as a, a damaging sign that you can't keep hold of players like that. I just think, I just think it's inevitable. I know Klopp talks quite a lot about trying to make Liverpool an, an attractive a proposition as possible to, to ensure you keep hold of players. But I, I just think the big Spanish clubs for South American players are always going to have, going to have that kind of emotional pull, and I. I don't, you know, Liverpool couldn't really be in much better shape under Klopp now than they are, and you know the fact that Coutinho still wants to leave, I don't think that's any real reflection on Klopp as a manager or, or where Liverpool's at as a club at the moment. Well, James, thank you very much. We'll let you crack on to enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, so, thanks for your comments there. Thank you, Ian. James Pierce there, who. Sometimes works in the office. <laughs> Sometimes, Sometimes works. Yeah, I know, yeah. He's watching the Batman movie, isn't he's he? Not, <laughs> he's nursing an old unwellness, shall we say. Yes, he's not very yeah. well at the moment. No, so. he, I, I was with him at Burnley on, uh, on New Year's Day and he was uh, he was battling his way through um, two games in 48 hours, of course, this time of year. Well, it's the hectic, festive yeah, schedule, hectic. isn't it? Yes. I think he has put an official, like West Brom, he's put a complaint into the Premier League. <laughs> uh, he's made his representations. Well, Coutinho there, we'll, we may as well just crack on with him as well. I mean, what, what's your take, Christian, on this? Is this just inevitable? And picking up on what James just said then about how much of a miss will he be? Because I think we have to accept that the player is going, if not in January, then most likely in the summer. I think, I think it is inevitable. I think the, the good thing for Liverpool is that, unlike the summer, and I feel this is why Liverpool just didn't entertain the idea whatsoever of Coutinho being sold, unlike the summer... They now have a prime place to replace him, I imagine. I think you saw Thomas Lamar, and although the, 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 the sounds coming out of Anfield with that, oh, this isn't to replace Coutinho, I think it very much, even if he would have come, Lamar, I think he would have come as a replacement for Coutinho, even if you got six months out of them together in the same team. Um, so whether it's Lamar or if it's somebody else, you know, Draxler's a name that Liverpool, somebody, you know, yeah, they'll, they'll be armed with a lot of cash. Now, Liverpool, as Klopp said, they don't need to sell to buy. They don't need to make up any transfer revenue because they've just splurged seventy-five million on Van Dijk. But at the same time, it's always nice to have that little bit of extra in reserve. And we're looking at three figures here. I think Liverpool, um, in terms of a Coutinho transfer fee, whether that's January or the summer. 
that's a lot of money. That's whatever way you look at it. That's yeah. another three brilliant players that you can sign for that you team. Nine figures, don't you? Obviously, three yeah. for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's three, yeah. Three, three figures plus the six that we all. Burning a hole in their pocket. Three figures and the end. Neil, do you feel as though Barcelona have to play be quite carefully? Because I think we mentioned this in the summer. The way that they're obviously getting not continuing to agitate for a move, but as James said, the whole stuff, all the players coming out and doing this, that and the other. But you accept this kind of thing happens, but not to the extent that they're doing it. It just seems as though there's... Obviously, Liverpool with Van Dijk, they had to go through that whole humiliation. They missed the player, missed the player for six months and it cost them £15 million more. At Barcelona, if they carry on the way that they seem to be going, are they in danger of jeopardising the immediate deal? Possibly, possibly uh, probably not in terms of the deal yeah, overall, yeah, overall. But, but uh, the one thing that strikes me about the Barcelona is we used to sort of, you know, ex-players like Carragher, pundits, Didi Haman or Danny Murphy or Michael Owen talking about it. But this is like it's the sporting director or it's the the commercial director or it's the club captain or it's the Brazilian. You know, it's the equivalent of in the summer Liverpool with Van Dijk. We all know Liverpool wanted Van Dijk, but it was the equivalent of Mike Gordon just giving random interviews to Radio City saying, oh, we'd love Virgil van Dijk, you know, and yeah, it'd be great. And then the next day, Ragnar Clavans just, you know, grandstanding in on Sky Sports News saying, oh, I can't wait to, to have van Dijk at Liverpool. That, that doesn't really go on in the Premier League. No. It's, it's, you know, Liverpool were, were certainly, um, if you can say, caught with their hands in the till a little bit, weren't they, in the summer over van Dijk, and they were, they were made to pay the price for that. Probably financially and and uh, and metaphorically as well, but yeah, it, it, it's just a bit, it's just a different culture thing, and you know, we we don't also understand the fact that we don't have football dailies, do we? In this this country, we don't have football specific newspapers. We have obviously websites that have a lot of content to come, and you know, yeah. we know all about that. <laughs> yeah, but they they have specific newspapers that are just there to focus essentially on Barcelona and on Real Madrid. And they've got inches to fill. Exactly. <laughs> also, they're very happy to fill them with Philip Coutinho. The other thing as well, and this isn't to discredit anybody who works at these publications, but it's very much in their in their best interest for for Barcelona to to do well. Um, I mean, it is of course yeah. the, the echo both Liverpool and Everton. It's in our best interest to see the major side clubs do well. But I, I do feel like they will happily bend the truth a little bit more than than we will in terms of Philip Coutinho's now house hunting. I mean, what happened? <laughs> that was Kalina, wasn't it? Yeah. He off, offered to go by my They were going to unveil him before the Super Cup yeah. game against Real Madrid. Uh, you know, Coutinho told Klopp back in the summer that he doesn't want to play for them ever again. He didn't want to be in the Champions League squad. You know, there he is scoring loads of goals in the Champions League. <laughs> but they can, so, be, they can be wrong a hundred times, but the one time that they're right is the only time everyone will remember. Right, nobody they're going to be, they're gonna be right as yeah, well, exactly. aren't they, at yeah. some point. Yeah. You know? It's just, but it is just that drip, 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 drip. And I, I mean, I don't know. What, I don't know what you two feel, but does that have an impact on the player? I, I don't think it has a massive impact. He's not. He's not going on on our echo live blog and going. Oh, sports or market have said this about me. Well, he if, knows what he wants, and it doesn't matter what anyone else says. That it hasn't seems to have had much of an impact on the player. Suggests that he already knows that he's going there. Yeah, anyway. and also his teammates as well. Look, you don't. We saw Alexis Sanchez with Arsenal. I mean, there was the, the question of where where the, he started to become a disruptive, and I think Thierry Henry said that he has it and. Listen, far be it for me to praise or question Thierry Henry's sources, um, brackets Thierry Henry. But um, he he says that, that Alexis Sanchez potentially is seen as a bit of a pain to some Arsenal players in that dressing room. Now, I, I think you can fairly say that Thierry Henry has some sort of insight into what 
certain players in their arsenal. Certainly the French ones. The, yeah, or, or you know, yeah. just just maybe even the coaching staff. You know, mm. I'm sure Thierry Henry will will know certain people who are at Arsenal. I think Jens Lehmann, for example, is at Arsenal on the coaching staff. Um, but you you think I don't see that with Coutinho. I don't see I don't see any sign that you know. Jordan Henderson or Adam Lallana or James Milner to start. I think he's a he's a nightmare. I think he's very much still part of the team, even if he maybe isn't going to be there for much longer. Well, then he's not the only player that happens to, isn't he? Players move all the time, and a lot of them know that they're not going to be yeah. around for for and, too long. And also, what generally happens is <laughs> a dressing room knows who the good players are and knows who the players are that make it better. And listen. No one tell me that Steven Gerrard didn't make more allowances for Luis Suarez and some of his behaviour than he did for El Adjouf or someone else. You know, who if they'd have behaved the same, I don't think he'd have been quite as uh, as forgiving Mario Balotelli, for example, someone like that. But he knows that the best chance of success comes with him in the team, and I think the teammates do as well. I think Jurgen Klopp knows it. But one of the good things about this Liverpool team is I do believe that they are getting much closer to showing that they can live without Coutinho. I think I think certain games he's just unbelievable and he lights it up because he's a talent but I think there are games when you see Liverpool without him and you think well it's not it's not terrible I think what helps in that is that it's, it's been a weird season for Coutinho I mean he almost hasn't got a, a position in the sense that of course like Klopp tried to, when he first came Klopp he, he was that left inside forward and then he sort of moved into that number 8 earlier in the season now he's playing in that half 10 space as Klopp likes to say It. It, it doesn't feel like there's... Half-ten embargo. <laughs> it doesn't feel like there is this... Like when Suarez left, it was very much, how do you replace a player? How yeah. do you replace... There is this player who plays in this position and he scores loads of goals and he creates havoc for defences. How do you replace this player? With Coutinho, it doesn't feel like you have to replace the player. It feels like it, any money would be reinvested on the squad in terms of not necessarily... I'm not talking about substitutes, you know, players who can be back up. I'm talking about first-team players. But that money could go towards a midfielder, it could go towards a goalkeeper, it could go towards a wide forward. The other thing I think as well is, I genuinely think, and this is going to... It's not what it'll sound like initially, I will will quantify it. I think it's easier to replace Coutinho, to find a Coutinho guy who can slot in, than it is a a goalkeeper or a centre-back, you know, the right player. I think there's so many players of similar... Um, or not, not, sim- not, not identical, but similar attributes, creative players who can score goals, who can shoot, who can take set pieces. And there's loads of them out there across the across all the leagues in Europe and, and, and probably in South America as well. well. Don't forget, Scatini was a player who they got from Inter Milan yeah. because he wouldn't say he'd yeah. failed there, but he certainly hadn't succeeded. Yeah. But if, if, you, if you thought of players that Liverpool could get who would be absolutely guaranteed better players at centre-back who Liverpool could get. I don't think there's a, a, a big list. And I know Jürgen Klopp saying he doesn't think there's a big list. I think the same with goalkeepers, albeit there are some. But I don't think you could find... I, you, you couldn't name me 10 goalkeepers that Liverpool would absolutely be able to get who would instantly be better than Mignolet. I don't believe I don't believe that is the case. But I think with Coutinho, there'd be 10 players that you could just go, he'd come into Liverpool and Liverpool would be fine with him in, in that position or in the squad, and Oxley chamberlain maybe doing a bit more of a line. That, that, that's the clock factor as well, isn't it? Because, and this is not to the Spanish Brendan Rodgers, for example, but uh, that team, and, and maybe even to a certain extent the uh, the Rafa Benitez team, of, of, obviously there was Alonso and Mascarano as well, and good defence, but, you know, take Gerard and Torres out of that one, or take yeah. take Suarez and, and you know Sturridge Gerard, whoever else of that Rodgers one. 
with with this Klopp is really starting to build a, a team here, a, a a real a squad as well. We sort of I know we'll move on to Burnley at some point, but you sort of Burnley seven changes and okay, there was a couple there was a couple of players where you go maybe he's not quite ready for it yeah but in general the, the, there's a real strong squad there with Liverpool and it, it does feel like you can take everyone talks about the Fab Four of course but you take one of them out in, in, in a particular game you can't really tell the difference you took two out against Burnley and, and okay it was, a, it, was a, it was a battle and it was a, it was a filthy sort of game but they still got the result I, I feel like the, the Klopp has set it up here where and I think this is the way Klopp manages football teams in general. They, they, they will be sustainable no matter who goes. There is yeah. a structure in place now, and it's just about following that structure. It's about the team rather than the individual. Yeah. The, the, the flip side to that is, if that carries on for years to come, then you see the you see the effect. And Arsenal are the, the perfect example of it. Of you know, they went on, went on, he left, and fine, okay, they went on when Vieira left and they, they reached the Champions League final. They went on for a bit when Fabregas left Van Persie, but when they all when when one two are leaving the summer, eventually it gets to the stage where they're like Arsenal are at where they're at now with mid mediocre and Dortmund clubs Dortmund were like a bit like that. They lost Goethe, they lost Lewandowski, they lost Kagawa and Hummels. Hummels they lost. I mean, to, to, to a lesser extent, you could say Everton as well. Yeah, because they they had a spell where they just lost all of their players. Yeah, exactly. And and Liverpool's aim really has to be to the point where first and foremost. There's no move in football that a player would want to make from Liverpool, and that, whether that'll ever be the case or not is the, the guy. Is it? Sorry, um, it's, it's what's the word I'm looking for? Do I leave? Irrespective. Irrespective. Um, it's it's the cases. That's what they've got to be striving for to make it. So Liverpool is the location, not the the, the stop off on the way to the location. And what's your take on that? I agree with that. I, I think I think it's always going to be hard with. Barcelona, Real Madrid. Yeah. I, I just don't. I'm buying Munich too. I'm buying, yeah, well. especially yeah, definitely because I think naturally, a bit like when Rafa brought in his South American or or his, um, you know, the Alonso and the Spanish and South American contingents, and obviously their dream is to play for Bayern and uh, sorry, Barcelona and Real. Uh, you know, Klopp if he's bringing in these young Germans. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I know Juventus are being linked with with Emery Chan. Wouldn't surprise me if you if you see a team like a Dortmund yeah. or a Bayern Munich or or even a Leipzig going for them as well. You know, I think that is not a, it. It is a downside because you bring these young players in from from the the scouting network that you know best, and then eventually they'll they'll you know they'll flock the nest. At the same time, I, I agree in the sense that Liverpool have to change perception in terms of they are still regarded. I think a little bit as a stepping stone club. I, I do think. I mean. Do you, do you honestly believe Mohamed Salah thinks he'll be here for 10 years? I don't. Hard, I, th- I, I, I think, especially the way he started, I think Salah is the sort of player who knew that he needed to go on to that next level and he probably is already thinking, if not him, then maybe his representatives mm. is already thinking about the next move in two or three years' time. But it's about establishing them as a Champions League club as well. I mean, we Winning talk, trophies. Winning trophies, yeah. And being, not, not it being a big deal at Liverpool in the Champions League, you know, not, not it being sort of, oh, Liverpool have qualified this year, it's just they are that's, in the Champions League. That's what as, it used to be gone. like the last decade. Mm. But talking about selling players, seven years ago this month, Liverpool sold their best player one of their best players to another English club yeah. Chelsea with Fernando Torres and you can't see that happening now can you? I no. mean, well, he sold he sold Sterling Sterling to Man City he sold Manchester City yeah. but could you see that happening now then? No I think I think the clubs are a different place now than it was two or three years ago yeah. so in that sense seeing Coutinho 
I know, obviously, he played for Espanyol. He's played in Barcelona in the past, so he's, he, he knows the city and this is, it's got that emotional pull. But, you know, Emre Chanti Juventus, these are big, 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 big heavyweight, yeah. you know, historical clubs. What we haven't seen yet, I don't think, and Matic is sort of the one one that goes against that. We haven't seen... We've seen big transfers. Van Dijk to Liverpool is a big mm. domestic transfer. Lukaku to United. But we haven't seen someone... Just take a player from Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal, United, another one of those. Take a player and say maybe maybe Kyle Walker is the best. Close yeah. yeah, but the contract of the yeah. I'm talking yeah. big money. I'm talking about sort of just go. You're, he's your best Ren- player. Ren- 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 yeah, you know, like United did with Van Persie, where United yeah. went. Sorry, we want Van Persie, and Arsenal, Arsenal gave him, gave him to United. In my opinion, gave him the price wise as well. But we haven't seen that. Where, for example, City could go up. We always have Hazard. We we want Hazard now, and, and we're gonna we're gonna pay whatever it takes. I don't think that we're in that position because of English football's financial strength. It's when you get these deals between clubs, it te- tends to be either an unwanted player or a player whose contract's winding down, like Sanchez, like Oxley Chamberlain, like maybe Ross Barkley, or it's it's a big club taken from a lesser club, as with Liverpool and, and Van Dijk and Lukaku and um, and United. Hmm. Christian, it looked like you were going to say something then. No, dead air. Dead air is always around. There was the, the air expectation around Christian's no, face there. It's, no, it's an interesting point because, you know, going back a couple of years, it really did feel like Liverpool were, were, were that level below. But it, I, I don't know if it's because they got the Champions League in this in this one season or anything like that. I just wonder if, it, if, if, if it's the clock factor. I, I just feel... That Liverpool are now on par, if not necessarily on the pitch, but I feel like they're on par with yeah. with City, Chelsea, United, Tottenham. Put, uh, put it this way: I can't see a situation where Liverpool are getting pipped to a player by Tottenham, like like it was happening five, six, seven years ago, where where Tottenham were on the on the upward care. Arsenal as well, you know, we always used to seem to have. Liverpool could never have signed Ozil at the time they signed mm. Arsenal signed Ozil. They couldn't sign Sanchez as it turned out when Arsenal got him. I think Liverpool have bridged that gap. In the sense that if they'd have wanted to get Lacazette in the summer, I think they probably could have. It's just the next step now in terms of they can compete with them, but at the same time, I couldn't see. It's I couldn't. Ronaldo was a bit of a different case. I can't see Man City or Manchester United selling their best players to Real or Barcelona. No, not known to hire maybe or. or Again, that contract situation makes it weird, Mm -hmm. doesn't it? I think if 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 a club holds the well, De Gea the cards, hasn't been De Gea has been on the cards for two years. It's still not been done, yeah. so that suggests but, but, yeah, that maybe not. They're, they're at least putting up some resistance. I could see Hazard going to Real, for example, um, but Chelsea is an odd club anyway at the minute. Transfers they're going through transition. Yeah, they just well, lost they, them in Arlo. Actual money for Danny Drinkwater, <laughs> which, which actually happened. So, gold the other day, though. To be fair yeah, to him. The, the the next step for Liverpool is yes they can compete with these teams and they've shown this already with Kaiser. You know, there's a lot of suggestions Barcelona and Bayern were interested. They don't know Van Dijk, of course. Um, they, they, they can certainly do it. Uh, do Oxley Chamberlain, of course, uh, for Chelsea. The next step now is is, is to not sell the, the the Coutinho one, and someone like Salah. I can see, you know, you could see someone like Bayern coming in with eighty million pound bid for Firmino. That's no inside knowledge. That's just <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> that's just me throwing that out there and saying you could see maybe. But it feels like Liverpool are getting to the point where they're in that position of strength to say that no, enough's enough. <laughs> Yeah, we've got yeah, to start building our ones yeah. we want to sell. Well, it's, it's almost like the money now doesn't matter. The money doesn't yeah. matter because there's so much of it. So it is down to the perception, as Christian said, and the symbolism, as, as James said earlier, of either keeping all of these players, selling them, and what does that actually mean for how it looks to potential 
you know, purchases in the future, they look at Liverpool and go, oh, hang on a minute. But then, OK, they sell Coutinho, but everybody knows now that Liverpool didn't want to sell him because he is going to go eventually. Didn't want to sell him. They put up a massive fight to keep hold of him. Got at least another six months, possibly a season out of him. And now they're bringing in Van Dijk for 70-odd million. Okay, Cater, you know, possibly Lamar for mm. 75, 80 million. There'll be other players on top of that. You saying they're going to spend two hundred? Like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't bring like that. that up. <laughs> I did not bring that up. But yeah, I do your maths. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right in, in the sense that it is perception. But it, it, that's that's what big clubs are supposed to do, isn't it? They're supposed to act like big clubs. And I do think that there's been a, a long time where Liverpool haven't acted necessarily like a big club. You know, they've they've uh, they've accepted the fact that they were a, a rung below, and they probably still are a rung below. Those clubs that were mentioned, they, you know, they won anything. They've won nothing, exactly, and they, yeah. they're only in. This is the first time they've been in the last sixteen of the so Champions League since two thousand nine. In, in the sense of buying Van Dijk and that, and holding on to Coutinho, they're punching above the weight. Of the possibly, moment, possibly, yeah. and, and if they go deep in the Champions League again, then I think, I genuinely think, people talk about got to win a trophy, and it'd be lovely for Liverpool to win a trophy this season. But I think if Liverpool were to reach the quarterfinals, Champions League, and finish top four, I think you'd have to view it as an excellent season for them. But not, not. You know, not in the grandest sense. It's only an excellent season if if it leads yeah. to something else. But I think the, you can't deny the progress that they've made in a, in terms of rebuilding a little bit of that star quality about the club. Now, leading into something else, Neil, you were at Burnley. Yeah. Speaking uh, of star quality, on on Monday night, um, um, Monday afternoon. Sorry, uh, I think the big talking point from the game was why didn't Jonathan Walters get on? I know. <laughs> you know we got me and, little story for you. James and, and I arrived at Turf Moor at the same time as Jonathan Walters so we, we park we park in a, a much, Hi, Johnny. Uh, John. um, much less um, uh, well it's, we don't park in the players car park <laughs> that way we park in a cricket club um, but we arrived we, we were on foot in Easton's car and he, he, he parked up and it, it triggered in my mind I said that's John Walters oh he plays for Burnley now doesn't he you know, I haven't seen him at Burnley I, I, I remember I, I'm, I'm pretty sure <laughs> God love him Paul Merson, I'm pretty sure he picked John Walters as his signing of the summer <laughs> at some stage. He's been injured, hasn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. been injured. But, but I, I said, oh, God, I hope he doesn't get on today because we know his record. I think he scored home and away against Liverpool last season, yeah. didn't he? Mm. Um, and that's not the only time he scored. And, yeah, he didn't come on. They, they left him on the bench. Um, did, did, that, did that in the home game as well? If, yeah. if memory recalls, I think he yeah. was on the bench then and he didn't get on. I just wonder, I mean, I, I don't know how much it works, but... I can well imagine Mignolet, Clavan, Lovren when he's come, if he was to come on thinking oh, he always scores against us him, you know, ex- just being a bit extra. You know what Lovren's like? He can an extra sort of comp- overcompensating maybe for yeah. the fact that John Walters come on and trying to trying to rattle him and show him that he's. Uh, I was a bit. I was surprised that he didn't get on actually because they brought on Vokes who had a good impact. Barnes, um, Ashley Barnes is he's he's one of the. The most difficult strikers I've ever seen in the Premier League this season. In terms of, he look. I, I was looking at, it just thinking, oh my god, I, I'd give up if I was playing against him. He's just, he's just relentless. Just chases everything into the channel, buffets into everyone. Get you know. Well, that's Walters, isn't it? Maybe that's why just, Walters didn't get on. He's not. He's not a great player, but he was. He made life hard for Lovren and Clavin, and that's why I thought they played particularly well in the game because they they stood up to him. And you know, aside from a little bit of fortune and a little bit of switching off, they. they they snuffed Burnley out, but there was just that one moment with with, um, with Vokes and Clavan and then Joe Gomez 
doing what Joe Gomez has been doing a bit too often and letting blind side runners get the back post. It's like chaining a dog, isn't it? With, yeah. with, with Gomez, you feel like it's just got to, yeah, you've just yeah. got to do that all the time. Yeah, I mean, but to be Jones. fair to him, does this show that he's not necessarily a fullback because he shouldn't be in that position? You know, and, he, and, he, and that's where his weak point comes yeah. from. I had a great game as well, Joe Gomez. Mm-hmm. Other than that. The festive period, we all know everyone complains about being busy, but it's a good time to accrue points. Liverpool got 10 from 12, which I think none of the top four have yeah. surpassed that. I think, yeah. I think could, no, Tottenham can, can't they, if they win their two games? Yeah, yeah but Tottenham they've, they've got two, two this week, haven't they? They've yeah, got, yeah, they've, they've got, got two, two Thursday, Thursday which is a bit strange yeah. anyway. But you know, Liverpool's form now going into the derby on Friday, it's pretty good, especially I mean, with, with all the players as well being, not rested, but Klopp's rotated the team, they made seven changes. Now it's like, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. If you, what team could Liverpool field against Everton on Friday, and someone would then accuse them of fielding a weakened team? You couldn't. I, I think I think a weakened team now would be Ings, Woodburn, Ajaria. You know, maybe yeah. still maybe still Solanke, Harry Wilson. But these are players who've barely played the season. Exactly. Yeah, so it's yeah. 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 It's it's very much a squad game now for yeah. Liverpool. I I remember writing something at the very. This is going back a couple of months now, and and I think it was a fourteen games in something silly like forty three days. I think it was, and Burnley was the game number fourteen. I think Liverpool have got uh, thirty four points out of a possible forty two. I think um, obviously they've been unbeaten throughout the whole period. The sixteen unbeaten in general. I think the way Klopp has managed this is absolutely phenomenal. I, I think it's it's one of the more underrated things, and I think he's he's stuck to his guns because he, at various points, and you wrote this in your analysis, and that you wouldn't think that Liverpool are in the midst of a of a of a run after in in terms of unbeaten because at various points in this run, which is sixteen unbeaten and, and and a run that's kept them got them top of the Champions League and banging the race for top four favourites for the fourth spot certainly. He's come under pressure. He's come under a lot of criticism. People have people were saying after the Chelsea game, "What's he doing?" People didn't understand the derby selection. Fair enough. I, I that that is the one mistake he sort of made in my view. But what you've got to do is look at this as a collective. And you talk about form. You've come out of that with thirty-four points out of forty-two. They've come out the past four games with ten points as were possible twelve. And I don't think there's going to be any player there who's. Use tyres, you know. Go back to the old football manager. No one's on orange. Yeah, but they're all, they're <laughs> all on gonna, green. You and know, there's going to be no player who isn't ready to come in as well. Yeah, exactly. They're all. They're, no one's coming in from yeah, the cold. No one's undercooked. Are they yeah. in terms of the squad? I mean, maybe you could argue form-wise, Solanke. Probably. Well, I, was gonna, I, was I think we've seen Solanke, that Solanke yeah. potentially isn't quite ready to start yeah. certain games, and maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's me being harsh. I think still think he worked very hard at Burnley. But does he need a goal? He need, oh, hundred percent needs a goal, yeah. and you can tell. I mean, I tell you, who else needs a goal. Um, Genie Wijnaldum as well, because he had the. If Liverpool don't win that game, that will be shown that chance that he, he ran a brilliant, absolutely brilliant, lung busting run down the left hand side to get on the end of a champ pass, take a nice touch and finish it. Like, like you'd expect the Genie Wijnaldum to do as a goal scorer midfielder in his younger days, but. Gets it stuck under his feet. Liverpool lose the chance. They end up with Oxley Chamberlain having the, the shot near post that the Pope um, like punched away with his, his with palm. Con- it was with his, with his concrete the iron yeah. fist. <laughs> yeah, but but Solanke, of, of all of the players, he's probably the only one that you'd look at and you go, oh, I'd rather I'd rather he wasn't starting. And that that sounds harsh. I'd rather I'd rather he wasn't starting. I, I don't mind him on the bench, but I'd rather he wasn't starting. I think anyone else, you'd be happy. 
playing in, in, in any but, game. Well, obviously, Sturridge wouldn't. I was going to say once yeah, again, Sturridge the, is injured at precisely the yeah, wrong Aurigi, time. Aurigi, yeah, yeah. That, that's fair. But Sturridge injured at the wrong time again. Again, and and you do you know you you do wonder so, most Sturridge about what five years today since five years Daniel yeah Sturridge signed for Liverpool was it yeah. And he's, and he's played about thirty-one years, games. <laughs> <laughs> that time. Nah, that's, I mean, that's, harsh. that's harsh. No, no, that's you know. Harsh. But this is—it's frustrating for him, and it's frustrating for Liverpool because while while Klopp has been rotating, I mean, he started against Chelsea, so I mean, that was sort yeah. of like the, the first sort of little. He, he was going to play a big part in this. He'd have played, played against Everton, for example. Yeah, there was, yeah, he was played against Burnley. He would have played. Yeah, he would have played against Burnley. He would have played. He would have got a lot of minutes. Swansea or West. Swansea or Leicester. He would have done all of that, and and he would have. Probably scored a few goals. He would have got into a bit of a rhythm. As it is, he's going to come in. At, we don't know how long he's out for. Yeah. Still, it, it's very sort of no one's really sure at the club in terms of storage. It's just it's always illness and injury. Illness and injury, and, and then they no say, uh, I think when he first got injured, it was oh, it shouldn't be. It. It's not. It's not a major problem. It's just a minor issue. You know, four weeks later, there we are. Um, four weeks and it's about eight games just because exactly. of the way the game's So uh, he's been unlucky in that sense, and that's unfortunate on Solanke because he's been thrust into these games. Yeah. Um, when maybe he's not ready for them, that's the way it is. So, and likewise, Ings, he's, 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 he needs, he needs rhythm elsewhere. I feel it's, it's hard to throw him on as well. Um, it'd be nice to see him have a start. It wouldn't be nice to see him have a start. Maybe his recovery just came a little bit too late for, for that. I would have maybe started things against um, Burnley, but then yeah. different, different. The way Klopp plays and the way Klopp. Start, you know, he, he sets up his team depending on the opponent. So maybe yeah. he just felt Solanke occupied the space and that sort of thing. Taller as well. Yeah, just a bit more strength. Course. I mean, you mentioned about the criticism of Klopp and Liverpool's players over the past few months, despite having that long and beaten run. One of the criticisms has been the character of the team. And you look at the last two games: the game against Christian against Leicester on Saturday, one nil down, very early on. Jamie Vardy scored again. Could have been forgiven for thinking, here we go again. Turn it around 2-1. It hasn't happened that often under Klopp, certainly not this season. And then on Monday, you know, they do the hard work, get in front, then concede a bit of a, a slightly avoidable goal right at the end of the game. But they've still got enough time for you know, of the two players that you'd think wouldn't be combining. It's long from putting it, a header well, across for Clavan to storm in at the if, far if, post. If there was evidence the for it, went after the £75 million pound players at the Grand Tour of Melwood and all the pictures have been released and, you know, here's, here's Big Verge. But it's Liverpool's character. I mean, you saw the way that the players celebrate. You saw the way Klopp celebrated at the end of the Leicester game. He was mm. proper made up with that. And you saw the way the players celebrated when Clavan scored. You get that. You know, going to Burnley and winning is not normally considered a big result, but that was it gets the feeling that could be pretty big. There was a touch of the Norwiches about it, wasn't there? Minus the uh, the broken glasses, in the sense <laughs> that they again they'd done the hard work and then they, they relinquish it very yeah. late on and then managed to to dig deep and find it again. Yeah, I, I, I think it's Andy Kelly. Um, <laughs> Where's this going? No, no, you can't take the credit <laughs> for that. Oh, yeah, this, this story will not, will not be followed there's with Trent, any... Trent, 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 no, no Trent, no KFC, Akeel <laughs> Services, no horse racing. It's uh, Andy Kelly um, said that it's it was one of the last things that this Liverpool, or certainly the next thing that this Liverpool side under Klopp needs to tick off in their development is that sort of win. That win where... I, I did a piece a couple of weeks ago and I had a look at the last time Liverpool scored a goal in the last 10 minutes that determined the fate of a game. So either turn a defeat into a draw, so an equaliser or a winner in the last 10 minutes. The last one before Burnley was uh, Sadio Mane's winner at Goodison well over a year ago. 
Uh, not that long, really. Yeah, 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 it it was just what what I liked about I think the Leicester game was was a really good game in general. Um, and Leicester, just, Leicester are good out there. Yeah. Oh, seven, seven best yeah, team comfortably. Seven yeah. best. I'll, I'll be backing for the FA Cup. Um, but that aside, um, I, I feel that you know two months of Salah magic there sort of. I think I think even though it was a it was a it was a win of character. And you saw the thing like Emery Champ putting the bounce ball out, you know, the way he did yeah. towards the end of the game. Moments of the year, that. Yeah. I do think that was still a, a, a win founded in good play, skill, you know, caressing the ball. It wasn't it wasn't all rolled up sleeves and, and clenched fists. It was actually, you know, moments of quality from Salah and he made a few nice openings. I think the Burnley game, you know, miserable day, horrible weather. It was the sort of game where it, there is no sort of obviously Manny's goal was a moment of quality, but at one-one with with stoppage time looming, there's only one way you're going to win that, and that's just sheer desire and will, and that's what both of them showed to do. That Lovren's run is brilliant to to make sure he's not offside. He just beats the offside trap, wins the ball against the very very good backline in terms of they've so well drilled Burnley. That is a hard ball to win, and then. Obviously, Clavan just launches himself. I don't think I don't think it's going in if Clavan doesn't launch himself. I think Barzi might be clearing that off the line. Clavan has to go in there yeah, head he first. Right. He, of course, he, he, he does, does the right thing. Anybody would do. Also, yeah. as well, nick the goal off him. Yeah. He, he, you know, obviously, advise opinion, but the, the, the free kick is made by Emery Chan, yeah. winning a slide tackle and in the same motion getting up, putting in the most ridiculous step over I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't think it fooled anyone about Emery Chan, but he still managed to to, to get get forward, win the foul. That's not, you know, that's not, that's just, that's just pure, as you say, character, and that's that's the first time that Liverpool side have shown it in that situation this season. It's a big step forward. They hadn't won a two, game two one at the, and since Burnley, I think in February or March, yeah. and then he won two in a row now, two one. And I, I, actually asked Klopp about about that, and not about two one, but about <laughs> um, do you take, do you almost take more from a win like that than you would if they'd have gone to Burnley and won six nil? You know, with, with just. Where everyone would be saying, "Well, Burnley were awful today, weren't they?" Or, or whatever. Um, and he said, "Yeah." He said, "We have to, we have to learn. This team has to learn to win on our not sunny days." And mm-hmm. it was saying it wasn't sunny in the turf more. It was, it was lashing it down. Obviously, game, game up the road. Accrington was called off half time because of a waterlogged pitch. <laughs> I think Christian, was it you asked me on, on uh, half time? Is there any chance of this one as well <laughs> being the same? I said, "No, no one's played any football on the pitch, so it's, it's got to be fine. It's all been in the air." But um, I think. That was that's good. Liverpool, you know, they've done it. They've shown on occasion that they can win it. They've shown that they can win it from conceding the first goal in the game early on, and they've got to go and chase it. And I think everyone, Christian, had a bad feel about Leicester. And I'm sure his feeling was ten times worse when when Vardy scores. Then everyone else would have said, "Oh, inevitable! Liverpool are going to concede a late goal there against Burnley. Two more points thrown away, and they still go and find another one." I think it bodes well. Can they uh, can they handle the Allardyce uh, the Allardyce we'll, machine? We'll, we'll come to the Allardyce machine as it's never ever going to be called yeah. again in a second. Uh, just two quick things. Um, there has been one January departure. Liverpool, it's Pep Linders. Yeah. He's left the coaching staff. He's gone to Holland. Will yeah. that be a bit of a miss? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, it's impossible not being there on a daily basis to know exactly the, the logistics of what he does on you know day to day. But what you can say is that whenever you hear Jurgen Klopp speak about him, he speaks glowingly. He speaks uh, as if he's an important part of the, the the staff and the way that they they work at Melbourne. I think Klopp's quote in the summer was that you can't imagine what life would be like without him. Well. I wonder whether Liverpool will bridge that gap a little bit with, with someone else coming Michael in. Michael Beale. Michael Beale, Steven mm-hmm. Gerrard, maybe taking a session at Melbourne. I don't, you know, that, well, that, that, I'm just speculating on that one for the time being. But I, I don't think it's a massive shock that Linders has gone, gone out on his own then and, and, and gone for the management career. He was linked with a lot of clubs in, in Holland. Um, go ahead, Eagles. Go ahead, Eagles. I think we're one way at the end. He's gone, he's gone to uh, NEC Nijmegen now. See how he does. You know, a long history of coaches who maybe prefer being yeah. behind the scenes rather than on the front line. But we'll see. I think I think everyone at Liverpool thinks he he's got the capability of being a top manager. He was the man who he obviously didn't spot Trent Alexander Arnold, but he gave him the armband when he was under 16s manager. He's the one who brought him to Klopp's attention, not you know directly, um, in the sense that he, he used to hold these weekly sessions, yeah, the talent group, group sessions, where it will give the academy players a chance to be assessed by Jurgen Klopp, and that's where Trent, uh, Bernard Jari, Ed Brewster, all uh, we, we found the way into Klopp's side. I mean, of course, Klopp knew about them anyway, but you know, a chance to see them in Melwood. Um, I, I think he's. I think a lot of written today. I think a lot of people might shrug. A lot of Liverpool fans might shrug and go, "So what? Who's, you know, and what?" But I think, uh, I think when you've got when you're someone like Klopp and you've got. Such a trusted backroom staff that's followed you all all around in Kravitz and and um, Buvach and obviously Cole Myers, Cole Myers he was fine, but you know he's he knows all these these people from from a long time ago, and then Pep Linders managed to survive the, the great Rogers call if you will, um, and was you know what's more embraced by him and Aktaberg have been embraced by Jurgen Klopp, so I think that says a lot. That he likes Dutch people, obviously. Well, I mean, <laughs> you mentioned then about the people in the backroom staff. I mean, going back to Julia, you had Patrice Burgess, he was never quite the same after that. And, mm. you know, Rafa, Paco, Paco, Ayester, mm. you know, he'd have some success after that, but he always seemed to be chopping and changing, didn't he, between yeah, people in his backroom staff at that point? Ferguson did it a lot, didn't he, at United, where he, he'd freshen up every every few years. He but he was there forever, though, wasn't he? Yeah, well, yeah, 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 you sort of have to. Yeah. Because, he did have, he had Archie Knox, he had uh, Steve McLeod, Brian Kidd, um, uh, Rene Musso, Carlos Queiroz, Mike Phelan, Mike Phelan, Mike Phelan, of course, with his uh, balloon popping antics <laughs> at uh, Chelsea. Um, yeah, it remains to be seen what kind of impact it has, but I think what we can say is that it'll um, it'll be felt by Klopp, if, if not necessarily showing in, in, in uh, immediate performances or results. Finally, then, we'll just look ahead to the derby on Friday. Sorry, you have to. Uh, FA Cup. Is it going to follow the normal rule of these FA Cup games where the earlier in the competition they play each other, more likely is that Everton are going to win? <laughs> I mean, you... Sorry, for that You can look that up. I was... No, yeah, I think the quarter finals, the cut-off, please, isn't it? <laughs> um, I, I was on the Poetry in Motion, I think, with... Uh, I was still in for Joe Rimmer. 
uh, with Neil Fitzmaurice and Neil Jones and I wasn't very confident, funnily enough, about the Liverpool well, Everton. I thought you meant hosting the podcast. I wasn't very confident about that one, uh, and I'm sort of proving right, but also proving wrong because I thought Liverpool were. Klopp obviously threw a bit of a curveball with the team, and I think they were the best side. Still anyway. should have won by them. Still should have easily won. Exactly. Still should have easily won. I'm sorry. I'd, I'd, I'd be amazed if Everton beat Liverpool. They might be able to force another replay, um, another draw, therefore a replay, but. I just after watching Everton the past three games, I just can't. I can't see even the only thing would be if Liverpool really do go for a yeah. cup team in terms of the, yeah. the, you know Leicester, Woodburn, Ward. Danny Ward then is Danny Ward playing? I think he will. Only he played the yeah. he pl- played the um, Carabao Cup game. And I think, I think that might be, of... might be the agreement, especially yeah. with Liverpool haven't progressed in the Champions League, so they're going to be there. So Carriers is going to get those games. You'd imagine in the knockout stage. And to be fair, he's been playing a bit of the Premier League, obviously, recently. Mm. I think Ward will play. I don't think, I agree with Christian, I think Everton, I think they're coming for a replay, aren't they, Everton? They have I, to, I mean, I've been, have I, to, I'm going to say, I, I've been covering Everton over, over Christmas. I went to West Brom, Everton, which yeah. was one of the worst games yeah. of all Who time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just didn't want to work in the office. Uh, and I also went to Bournemouth, which was a decent game, but... And I watched Everton on television against United. The one thing I found is that they've looked really tired. Like really, yeah. really tired, and I think if Liverpool do start the game quite fast and keep it up, I think that energy could be too much for yeah. them because Everton were, you know, they defended quite well in the, in the league game, but they were still a little bit fortunate, and yeah. you know, the, the penalty could have been given, might not have been given. Yeah, it was one of those, yeah, exactly, yeah. So they, they they kind of rode the luck, but I think Everton will come to to play for the draw because. I, I don't think they can do anything else with the no, players well, they've they, got. Well, they had four shots on target in four games. Four shots in four games, and which, two two of them were against. I mean, and non, had, none against at home against against Chelsea or United. Yeah, they had two two against Liverpool and Anfield on target, didn't mm. they? And obviously, one of them being a penalty, the other one being a, a, a p roller from Sigurdsson. I think it was cop end. I don't, I don't see Liverpool. I wouldn't be Liverpool. Shouldn't be worried. That is what I'm saying, but they should be. They should be worried about their own performance. I think Liverpool decide who wins that game. And if Liverpool are below par, then that's that's when they open the door for Everton. If they're, like, a, if they're anything like the best, they win. Is this a big game for Klopp and the FA Cup? Because oh, of what's happened in the past? I, I almost feel like, again, it goes back to the fact that he's been in this brilliant run and I still don't feel like... He's obviously got credit in the bank. That's that's. But this season, I feel like it's very much... The, the, the fans want the derby draw to be rectified. I feel that he has to rectify that derby draw. And I think that they want some form of cup run trophy, yeah. whatever that is. Well, you look at the, the teams he picked. What was the first FA Cup team he picked? Exeter, right? Jose Enrique. Jose Enrique. Thiago Alori, Joe McGuire, players Adam Bogdan, Chiravella playing in these games. Mojo came on. Mojo came on. Mojo Bradsmith playing. Jerome Sinclair scored. I mean, we're not going to see that. And what are what are um. What a PC was on the bench. Yes, yes, he was, yeah. Unneeded on that occasion. Obviously, started the replay, didn't he? he did, yeah. Um, won and converted the penalty <laughs> early on. <laughs> um, but no, we won't see that, will we? Liverpool squads evolved massively since then, those times. And the reason that then them, that team was proud was because he didn't have the squads and Klopp couldn't afford to play players like that in three games in a week or two games in, in four days or whatever. He can now. You know, Liverpool's scratch team now is going to contain. What James Milner, Andy Robertson, perhaps uh, Virgil Van Dijk, <laughs> you know, got a chance of playing Trent Alexander-Arnold, even Danny Ward. So I think um, 
whatever side Liverpool put out will be overwhelming favourites on Friday, and rightly so. And as I say, it's one of them that you, you hear at the Sunday League shout, but you'd say in the dressing room, I'd expect someone to say it, whether in English or another language. Your 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 biggest threat is yourselves. If if, you, if you're on it, you decide who wins the game. So says a Sunday league manager. Sadly, Saturday league, sorry, manager. Sadly league manager. All right, it's getting worse. Right, I won't ask for any predictions on the derby because we all know you. Uh, the form book goes out the window. So yeah. everybody making their way to Anfield better be careful of passing all those houses and getting hit on the head. Uh, right, join us next week. Uh, we will look back at the derby and ahead to Manchester City. Cheerio. <laughs>